Welcome to Talk With Us Tuesdays, brought to you by the Mental Health Diaries podcast. We thank you for joining us another week, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Good morning, Warriors. Daisy Girl here, and welcome back to another Talk With Us Tuesday. So this week's episode is going to be a little different. Um, I'm going to be hosting the podcast, and I'm going to have a guest today. Any guesses who my guest will be? Hmm? Well, if you guess Lady DMC, then you are correct. So I have Lady DMC here today, and she is going to answer some very difficult yet challenging questions. That's the same thing, but there's a difference. Anyway, so Lady DMC, welcome to Talk With Us Tuesday. This is a new role for you on this podcast. It is, it is. Thank you so much for that warm welcome, Desi Girl. I'm very excited to be the guest today and excited to be interviewed by you. I know you're you're the one that brings the professional perspective into our into our podcast. So, you know, with you giving information and me answering a couple of questions for you, I think our audience is gonna get a lot of out of this episode and I'm excited. I'm excited about this role today. <laughs> I'm excited too, because I mean, the, we typically, it's like a conversation between the two of us and today we're, we're really going to sit down and talk about something that I don't have any experience in um, from the personal stance, but professionally I do. And you have something that from the clinical stance is our biggest pet peeve, but I, we'll, we'll wait to talk about that. So today's episode is about medication therapy. Um, in previous episodes, Lady DMC and I have talked about treatment and Lady DMC had disclosed that she did take medications um, for her anxiety and depression. So Lady DMC, can you tell us a little bit about your journey with medications? When did it start? If you remember what you took, how did you feel? Just give us a little background. Absolutely. So. It started with my first panic attack. You know, I think when you experience that and you feel like everything's crumbling underneath your feet, you feel like it's basically game over for you. I had never felt that before. So there, I lasted a while just thinking, okay, maybe potentially I could push through this. I don't know. I'll give it a shot here few weeks later, kept getting that anxiety, kept feeling like I was going to get to that max level again on my anxiety. I just said, you know what? This is it. This is where I have to be the adult. This is where I have to realize that apparently what I'm doing ain't working and I need extra help. So that's when I went ahead and spoke to my wonderful, wonderful psychiatrist who actually, um, talked to me about starting on my first medication, which was mirtazapine. Um, I was actually prescribed that in Colombia. My psychiatrist continued it here for me. And then she, she kind of, um, adjusted my, my medication, adjusted my dose when I got here. Cause obviously I don't live in Colombia. That's just my, my family's country of origin. But, um, so she continued what everything that my doctor started over there. And yeah, that's how my journey began. Apparently we saw that the mirtazapine wasn't doing enough for me. So then she went ahead and adjusted me to about about two or three months later from starting that, she adjusted me to gabapentin and to Zoloft. 
So those were the three that I was on. Wow. For those of you that don't know what mirtazapine is, it the word typically what's uh, the word that's used is Rimron, and it's an antidepressant. Is that what you were prescribed for your depression? Correct. Yes. That's what I was prescribed. They told me since I hadn't been clinically diagnosed with my depression at that time, they told me that it was an antidepressant, but it was part of the therapy that they use for anxiety as well. So that's what they decided to go with for me. And then gabapentin, that's a very addictive drug. Um, I'm very surprised you were prescribed that as your second drug of trial. Is that correct? That is correct, along with the Zola. That's typically used for anxiety. So was that supposed to be for your anxiety or that depression? Anxiety. Okay. It also helps people with insomnia. Did you experience insomnia prior to medication therapy? Almost oh, definitely. Um, I had never actually stayed up till 2 or 3 in the morning on a work day just for no reason. Once I started hitting that point where I was experiencing my anxiety attacks after that first major panic attack, it was literally looking at my ceiling, just not being able to sleep, my brain just turning and thinking. By the time I looked at the clock, it was almost, what, three hours until I had to get up and it was awful. So yeah, I suffered from it quite a bit. So it's really interesting that you were prescribed Zoloft and gabapentin at the same time because in my clinical experience, I've noticed a lot of patients that take that cocktail, they experience low sodium levels. Did you experience that when you were taking gabapentin and Zoloft? From what I know, I didn't have any issues like that. Um, you know, I got all my blood drawn, got everything looked after. I seem to be okay. I didn't have any issues that my not that I was aware of at least <laughs> that's great um and the reason I bring that up is because again I'm not a psychiatrist I'm a social worker but I work with patients that take medication and just from my experience I've seen you know the side effects the medical side effects and we do talk about that in a later podcast episode but a lot of times I've heard patients complain when they take gabapentin, either they deal with the addictive aspect of it, saying that they need the gabapentin, or when they have the Zoloft, which it's commonly prescribed, which is interesting, but they deal with the low sodium level, so then they're dealing with some health issues that come with it. So that's why I, just, that's why I asked, because um, I know you're not on medication currently. Is that correct? That is correct. I stopped it roughly five months ago. And do you want to share with us kind of what happened? <laughs> For me to get off of it, you mean? Yes. So, uh, as I mentioned in other episodes, I am newlywed. <laughs> so, it was really the blessing of having my partner in my life that really just pushed me to, you know what, let's give this a shot. I had been feeling better, so I just thought maybe it's time to proceed and let's let's try this just with support with your support system and see what happens so warning to all my audience right here <laughs> do not do what i'm about to say do as i say not as i do but i went off cold turkey and i've been successful since then up till now i mean has anxiety hit yeah but i've been able to handle it <laughs> so 
This is a pet peeve I was talking about earlier. As a clinician, when a patient comes to me and says, well, you know, lady, or sorry, Daisy girl, I stopped my meds, cold turkey, I'm good. I got my support system and my coping skills, I'm good. I want to pull my hair out and be like, no, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> and I, okay, so let's backtrack. I was talking to Lady DMC when she had, you know, stopped taking medications. I didn't notice a difference at all in personality, anxiety. Um, however, and we've talked about this privately, you know, the medi- it takes a while for medication to get out of your system. Pre- a few episodes ago, we did talk about our anxiety. And I think that was the first time I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, Lady DMC, your meds are gone out of your system. We are we are relying on that toolbox and we're relying on the support system now to get through the anxiety, the depression, the triggers, the warning signs. As we previously mentioned, we have recorded this episode before and the conversation we had then was very different because you were at a very different stage in where your medication was in your body. Yes, I was. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh. It's just, you know, coming, you know, she's my best friend. And so from that sense, I'm like, dang, girl, like you, you did it. You did. So that's amazing that you were able to stay stable use your coping skills, use your support system. And when things got really bad, your support system was 100 right there. But from the clinician standpoint, I'm like, good Lord. Like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop because I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh, like what is going to happen? And, you know, you're not downplaying anything, but do not stop your meds cold turkey unless you and your psychiatrist and your therapist and your doctor whoever is in your treatment team it's like yes you can stop your meds and we're going to monitor you which lady dmc did correct you did talk to your psychiatrist and you were being monitored by him or her Mm, thank you so much for mentioning that i was actually about to add my little two cents right there yes i was under the care of a medical professional she and i had this conversation for the audience that doesn't know, I'm very much a goody-goody, so if I do something, I'm you're probably going to figure it out, or I'm probably just going to end up telling you. So I had this conversation with her. I let her know. Sorry, I have to mention your name here because I love you so much, and you've been so amazing. Dr. Iscaris, shout out to you. You are the best. So I talked to her, and I said, this is what I did. I did it for X, Y reason. I was feeling better. I wanted to give it a shot, you know, you tell me, do you think I should go back on at least half a dose? What do you recommend? And then I took her, her words of advice and she told me, you know what? I didn't want you to do that, but since you did, you're under my care. I'm going to be even more cautious with you. I'm going to keep an eye out on you. But if you feel that your body is accepting it, if you feel that you're okay, no withdrawal symptoms, nothing like that, then let's proceed and then we'll we'll circle back on our next appointment and we'll figure this out together you let me know at that point where you're at if if i think that you should go back on it or you think you should go back on it we'll discuss that in a few weeks but for right now if you think you're okay you have my permission to to stay cold turkey (laughs) so just to clarify when you stop taking your meds 
how like what was the time difference when you told her and then said okay we're gonna start monitoring you more closely i think it must have been just a couple weeks i must have been about three weeks in roughly okay so not that bad so you were still pretty medicated even though you weren't continuing the medication at the time correct so i'm going to ask a, a little a darker question since stopping your medication any thoughts of self-harm any thoughts of doom to the point where you you went back to where you were when you first had your panic attack no no thoughts no suicidal ideations nothing like that everything seems to be coming out of my body or seems to have come out of my body i should say i'm five months in so i think i should be clean from it um but coming off of it no i i the only thing that changed during that time was my sleep schedule <laughs> so like were you able to sleep more sleep less or it was just a very awkward feeling like it it was harder for me to fall asleep and when i did it was harder to stay asleep my circadian rhythm was completely messed up, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> gotcha. Um, what about appetite? Any change in appetite? No change in appetite at all. Um, I still enjoy my food very much so, but I, th I think it's again, because I have the support system that I have now, you know, having my husband by my side, I think that's really what has contributed to me potentially not feeling this we these withdrawal symptoms as well i think that's definitely been a, a major tool for me and a major blessing mm, interesting so my next question is as you mentioned you're a newlywed again congratulations <laughs> thank you <laughs> So a lot of women that are on psychiatric medication typically like to stop their meds because of the fear of the pregnancy process and, you know, maybe I won't be able to conceive or, you know, what if my baby gets the medication I'm taking or, you know, all these um, side effects, you could say. Did that play a role in why you stopped your medication? It didn't really. Um, I just kind of felt that if it did happen and when it did happen, then I would go ahead and just consult with my doctor and let her know the situation. Hey, I, I'm ready or this is what's going on. I'm, I'm expecting. So I felt that when the time came, I would have that conversation. But no, I, I stopped it for, for other reasons. I just wanted to, to give my husband and myself the chance to start this life how it's supposed to be started off with the blessing started off just clean and so i just felt it was worth it to give it a try at least and i felt like i owed it to both of us you know as a team to to kind of live unmedicated <laughs> makes sense again i i'm you know struggling with the personal and the professional here because as your best friend i'm like go lady dmc i'm here if you need me <laughs> And from my professional stance, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, I all these red lights are just flashing in my head because in my experience, I don't think I've worked with a patient, excuse me, where they've stopped medication and it's gone well for us. Like, you know, eventually we hit, we, we find that thing that says, oh, here we go. Now we got to get medicated again. <laughs> you know, again, from the personal stance, we talk every single day. 
we're talking throughout the day essentially from the moment one of us wakes up to the time one of us goes to bed Pretty much. and i can tell you when the anxiety is there the depression is still there and but i you do an amazing job of taking care of yourself an amazing job and that's where my professional side says you know what but she's using those coping skills she knows her triggers she knows her warning signs she knows when it's like time out i i need to take a break i need to regroup or hey daisy girl can we chat for a little bit because xyz is happening and i'm getting triggered from that stance bravo and i want to give you a round of applause because oh. it's very hard it's very hard to get off your meds with anxiety and depression, that's a really dangerous combination in itself, right? Because it's, you're already thinking that doom and then it's like, well, you know, the doom is going to happen. Like, we're just going to live under this rain cloud. For you to be able to come above that and fight it every single day and use those coping skills and not give up, so difficult. And I'm so proud of you. So, so, so proud of you. You're I have like tears in my eyes right now. Um, I just, it's, it's amazing to see what you've done with yourself. Well, all I can say is my support system, the biggest part is my husband, but of course you're my BFF, you're my homegirl. So I couldn't do this without you answering those ranty texts. I couldn't do this without you lending me a shoulder, lending me an ear. And it's because you've been able to listen to me too that I say, okay, you know what? I do have people that care for me and people that love me. So may even though the anxiety and the depression still creeps up, you know, once in a blue moon, if I have you guys, if I have people like you, Desi Girl, in my life that can just hear me out and lend me a hand, I'm good. I can do this. <laughs> no matter how hard the day may seem because... You know, without medication, you do feel it more. It does hit you a little bit more. I'm not going to say no, but you guys are that propeller that keeps it going, keeps me going and pushing forward. It's like, okay, I know you're having a gloomy day. I know that cloud is there again, but you have something to work towards. You have something to to fight for. So this day over with and tomorrow will be better. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm always there for you from a professional and a personal stance. Now, my question is, you know, we, I don't remember if you brought this up yet, but we've talked about that resistance you got from in regards to seeking medical or therapeutic treatment in the pharmaceutical aspect of stuff. Your family seemed pretty open with you talking to someone, but when it came to taking medications, they were afraid that you were going to get certain labels and those stigmas. And I know you've talked a little bit about your family, but do you care to share a little bit more of what you experienced when you did decide to, you know, pursue medication? Yes, you are absolutely correct. Um, when it came to talking to a therapist and later to the psychiatrist, my family was fine. They completely approved of it. They saw the panic attack. They saw the anxiety. They knew it was time they knew that I needed to pursue this this avenue of getting help. But yes, as soon as I said psychiatrist, the first thing that I got from my mother's side was, is there going to be medication involved? Um, I did have a family member. It was actually my grandmother who unfortunately was medicated back in the day as well. 
I don't know exactly what it was that um, that happened to her. I think it might have been some type of depression as well. They say that she cried a lot. They say that she screamed a lot. Um, actually, um, the first time that my mom was able to to meet her own mom was when she was nine or ten through nine or ten years old, and she was in an inpatient facility uh, back in Colombia. So, you know, she received that label of you you know like when you're in a third world country you live in a little town where literally everybody knows everybody kind of like how you say desi girl the 700 generations that live with you know the 800 that live next door yes yes i do <laughs> so that's kind of what happened and word kind of got around about my grandma's situation about her being sad and things like that and my mother was labeled the daughter of the crazy lady unfortunately so she, my mother was afraid that i would get that same label she was afraid that it would go on some type of record for me if i wanted to find a decent job that being on medication or seeing a psychiatrist would somehow stain some type of invisible record i guess medical record i don't know what it was that was going through her head but um that's where I had to bite the bullet and had to make that decision for myself. I'm sorry, mom. You know, I love you. And if, if this is what you think, I'm really sorry, but this is what I need for me. I know what my body's going through. I know what my mind's going through and I, I can't go back now. I need that help. So I, yes, I had to push through that stigma, push through that pushback from loved ones, unfortunately. Well, I'm glad you you got the help you needed um a lot of warriors sometimes aren't able to go past you know if parents say no or family says no they they kind of like okay that's it i'm stuck like i can't get medication um that stigma which here at mhd we're trying to get rid of by our podcast episodes and our blog posts but from the latina pers perspective if a fellow warrior came to you and said hey i need medication or hey i need therapy or hey you know i just got diagnosed with ptsd depression anxiety bipolar disorder but my family's told me it's a curse or i'm possessed or you know whatever these beliefs are what what advice would you give them i think the best advice that i would have to give them is and, and let me elaborate on what I'm about to say. I don't mean this <laughs> okay. in a bad way. <laughs> Be selfish. And here's why. I keep bringing up this analogy, but it's the one that's stuck with me, and I think it's going to stick with me to the grave. If you're on an airplane, and that oxygen level starts dropping in the cabin, those masks come down. You have to throw yours on first before you throw others on. Because you're no good to no one if you're dead. <laughs> All right? So what I'm saying with this is, if you really care about those that are around you, if whether it be a partner, whether it be siblings, family, friends, whatever, you can't give them the best version of yourself if you don't focus on yourself first. So if it means ignoring that pushback, I know it's difficult, believe me, for me it was too. I was able to break out of that and just go and do my own thing. but. It takes work, but it's so worth it because now, because of that propelling force that I got forward from my therapist, from my psychiatrist, 
I've been able to now be off medication and I've been able to get, I've been able to give 100% of myself to my relationship with my hubby. I've been able to be the best version of me I can be as a daughter, as a coworker, as a friend to yourself, Desi girl. So it was because I thought of Lady DMC first that I was able to give all of me to you guys. That's what I mean by being selfish. Nobody's going to take care of you. Nobody's going to know what you're feeling. Nobody's going to know those signs or your body or mind better than you. Be the Nike sign. Just do it. <laughs> and that's some great advice, Lady DMC, is to be selfish and to think of yourself because if you're not doing well, then how can you help others to stay well or help them in their needs? Um, now, we have we've both actually done a post on debunking myths surrounding psychiatric medications. But since I am today's host, I would like you to debunk them for us. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. The first question is, with psychiatric meds, you always gain weight. I have to say true on that one. Because the first thing that got better for me when I uh, when I got prescribed the mirtazapine, the biggest complaints that I had were insomnia and lack of appetite. I was losing a lot of weight because the only thing that I was eating most days was a dessert, a dessert plate size of food. And that would be my whole meal for the day. The next day, I started enjoying food again. I wanted to eat and I was hungry. But here's the thing, if you know how to control that, how to enjoy your food in moderation, there's no issue. No issue at all. I don't think I gained more than maybe, what, three, five pounds at most? Because I was conscious of that. So I guess a lot of um, warriors or non-warriors may think that if you take this medication, it's like uncontrollable hunger and thirst and like you just have to be stuffing your face and... No, no, no. It just makes you enjoy food. It, <laughs> Well, me, I'm a big foodie, so I've always enjoyed food anyway. So one of the signs that I had, again, knowing my own body, was the fact that food wasn't appetizing to me anymore. It just felt like I went back to myself, and maybe, maybe a notch higher on the enjoying food. But it wasn't like, oh my god, I have to eat like all the time i have to eat 24 hours of the day or else my stomach is going to be hurting so bad no 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 <laughs> that part of the myth is debunked but can you gain weight yes true all right our next myth to debunk debunk is if medication worked for let's say sally so let's say gabapentin and zoloft worked for you right mm -hmm. until you decided that you felt well enough to get off of it is it true that it's gonna work for me or your hubby or my fiance or your parents? No, incorrect. In fact, I'm gonna give a little piece of, of information here to all our warriors that are listening that are potentially looking to get on medication. Um, when you speak to your psychiatrist, to your medical professional, and the first medication or perhaps the first set of medications that they give you doesn't work, it's not because they don't know how to prescribe. It's not because they don't know how to do their job. It takes trial and error for everybody. So what worked for me, your body might not react the same way. And that's exactly why it's a trial and error process at the beginning, because they don't know what's going to work for your specific situation. 
So, no. If it worked for me, it it's a hit or miss with you, unfortunately. And we all have to go through that process when we're starting off our, our therapy. And thank you for bringing that up because that is something that I talk to my patients about all the time. If, the, you know, this didn't work, that's it. Like, you don't know what you're doing or psych meds don't work. And it's a trial and error process, just like a therapist, right? Um, we've talked about you've had to therapy shop for a bit because the first therapist didn't work out. Then you had to go to the next one. Then you were like, yeah, okay, that works. But, oh, this one works. But this one can't give me therapy. Like, so it's a process, absolutely. And thank you for bringing that up because from, from a clinician standpoint, they're like, oh, you're just saying that because that's your job. But from a fellow warrior... You have nothing to gain or lose from this by telling us the truth. And that's just, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking through my own experience. And I can even say I went through those feelings that you're describing right now, like with the mirtazapine. I mean, I got some relief. I mean, the first night that, um, that I took it, I was able to sleep my 10, 11 hours straight, which I hadn't been able to do in good Lord knows how long before starting that as I went along with it, I, it started losing that positive effect for me. And I did feel that kind of like, uh, you know, that bum feeling like crud. Does this mean that medication's not for me? Or does this mean I'm doing something wrong when I'm taking it at the right time every day? What's going on? And then I learned that from my psychiatrist and I learned that from you as well, Desi girl. You actually explained that to me as well, which is fantastic because I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. That's that's where my thought process was. And this is why the first one didn't work because it wasn't right for me. And that's okay. It happens. Yeah. So, warriors, if something doesn't work out, medication, therapist, psychiatrists, anything, do not give up. Just go to the next one because, you know, one thing may work for you, may not work for someone else. The next myth is medications are just a crutch for weak people. I know this one's a touchy subject for you, so. It really is because, you know, it, it can be so life-saving. It can propel you forward so much that it's just unfortunate that some people have that stigma. Right. No, it, it's not just a crutch. It's, it's an extra tool. It's an extra hand that you're being given. And if you're being given that, it's not because you're weak. It's because, it's because you've been strong for too long. Because you've been holding on, on your own, to that point where you actually realize you needed that extra boost. So no, it's not debunked. It's not a crutch for lazy people. It's a crutch for people that are wise and understand that even if it's for a couple of months or for a couple of years, that may be your situation. It's what's going to help you get your life back on track. A lot of times, you in my um experience i've had patients say well i can't remember taking the pill every single day or it's just too much work or it doesn't fit my lifestyle and there's options i know a lot of medications are injectable like so they have like those so i forgot what it's called it's like slow releasing medication or something and like so every month you get injected with your med so have these conversations with your mental health provider whether it be your primary care physician your psychiatrist your therapist talk to them like hey i can't do this pill thing every single day or hey this is happening having those conversations and lady dmc did a fantastic job describing that in the beginning of this episode she had that constant communication with her providers and said hey this is where i'm at or hey i stopped my meds i'm feeling great right now 
but you know, this, this, and this is implemented in my relapse prevention plan. So if I have to go to that point where I'm in, you know, code black, as I say, I have all this lined up or I'm going to call you or I'm going to call 911, whatever it may be. So again, have those conversations, communicate. Therapy isn't just like, well, today, blah, 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 happened. Be like, hey, I've been taking my meds for six months now and I still am a five in my depression and I want to be a two. That's my goal. Have those conversations because as therapists, we can't read your mind. As much as we'd like to, we can't. And from a patient setting, I think that's so important. Desi Girl, thank you so much for putting that out there as well. It's all about us being honest. I mean, if we really want to get better, if we really want our life to be smoother and to enjoy things like we did before all this mental health journey started for us or whatever, it's only going to be up to us to open up and let them know how we're truly feeling. It's it's a difficult because you don't want to disappoint them and you don't want to disappoint yourself. You don't want to feel like you're going back to square one. You know, I mean, when I start, like for me, when I started my meds, I was like, okay, I feel a seven or eight today. I'm so good. I feel amazing. And then again, a few weeks later with the same medication, I was like, okay, I'm down to a three right now. It does feel like you're taking a step back and you may, it feels like you're failing at times, but then you're not. You're not. When you open up to them, when you tell them, hey, this is what's going on, kind of like what you were saying, Desi Girl. When we open up to you guys and we tell you, hey, I'm, you know what? I was okay. I'm actually not anymore. Is there something else that you could do for me? Is there another tool that you can hand to me so I can fight this? And it's only if we open up, if we're 100% honest with you guys as our, with our treatment plan, as our treatment providers, it's the only way we're going to get to our goal. And it's the only way we're going to get better. So it's up to us as well. You guys can't do everything for us. We have to help. 100%. So I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said the first time, the first night that you took, what was it again? Mirtazapine. Yes. <laughs> Start with an M. Um, you, you were able to sleep your 10 hours that you hadn't been able to do for a while. Now that's actually a myth that I commonly hear. Um, and it is, I'll feel right, I'll feel better right away. The first night I take that pill. What, what are your thoughts? I know you kind of did experience that though. You did get some form of alleviation of your symptoms, but do you feel like your anxiety and depression just magically disappeared? I don't think it helped with that right away. I think that's maybe why I went down to a three, like not too soon after it's because it was alleviating immediately the two most important symptoms I had, as I mentioned before, which was the insomnia and the lack of appetite. Since those got better, I was like, okay, maybe we're progressing. Maybe we're getting somewhere. It helped a little bit. The next day I was able to eat my food. I was in Colombia when I got that one. So you can imagine what my aunts were cooking me. <laughs> I was on vacation, so I was enjoying myself. But um, those were the only two things that were affected like right off the bat. And then after that, I'm like, okay, it's, it's just, that's the only thing it's helping with. My anxiety is still there. I'm still not 100. What's going on? And I kind of want to elaborate that because um, there's, you know, depending on the therapy that you're seeking. And we, we talked about this early on. I believe it was like the first episode or something. But when, when you go to therapy, the first session, your therapist 
probably will ask you is what do you hope to obtain from this and I know when I was working in that patient setting that was what what you just described where that that your sleep and your appetite was addressed is typically the goals like ah you know I kind of just want to be able to sleep at night I want to be able to eat food like a normal person be normal and call it a day it's in the inpatient setting where I've seen people like, oh, you know, my depression's still a five and I'm, you know, that cloud is still hanging over or I'm still ha- having those thoughts of doom or whatever it may be. So oftentimes people are okay with what you described. It's like, I got my appetite back. I'm able to sleep. I'm good. So that's another thing, remembering what your goal is. And so when you go to therapy, you don't have to have a goal like that first session. You don't have to be like, well, I hope to become that happy-go-lucky person that I was. But thinking about it through those sessions saying, hey, you know, today I really just want to be able to sleep eight hours. And that's what your therapist and your psychiatrist and your treatment team is going to address step by step. Okay, so we addressed this. Now we're going to address this. And with that, they're going to address what's causing the anxiety and depression. And I think, Lady DMC, you kind of talked about that earlier, that you did still talk about the psychological aspect of it. You didn't just say, all right, the pills fixed my problem. We're done deal. We're good and happy. You talked about what was causing the anxiety. You were talking about the depression. You were talking about how you were managing those symptoms at the time and how you hope to be able to manage those symptoms in the future. I mean, everyone's goal is to get off meds and off therapy and be able to live their life to the fullest, right? Exactly. And I think you did an amazing job of explaining that. And you are, I really want to take you to work with me and be my Uh example patient. Because like, (laughs) I wish this would, you know, it's a therapist telling you like, okay, eventually we'll get there. We'll get to that point where you're just going to need, you know, once a month sessions and no medication. But there's no timeline, right? Like you said, each medication works differently for each person and therapy works differently and how long you take it or don't take it is different. Completely agree. The way we recover, the way we experience all this mental health situation is is unique. It's it's a fingerprint. It's going to be it's going to be completely you. The way and we can even see that in between us as as best friends, you know, the way you experience your depression and anxiety, Desi girl, is completely different from how I experience experience mine even how we express it even how we treat it as you said you didn't need medication you've been pulling through you've been a trooper you've been amazing you've been blessed to be off of it for me i knew i couldn't do that no more (laughs) so yes i completely concur with that everybody's journeys is different but the one thing that we do need to make sure that is uniform that is cookie cutter because it can be life-saving is again what we've been reiterating the fact that we have to be honest and open with our therapist that we have to understand that we're going to go through a through a trial and error process and that's okay and you know just just pull through with the help of our support system and with the help of whatever treatment that gets made for us absolutely i agree 100 percent Now, the next myth I have is this one. I don't know if you'll be able to answer or not because I don't know if you had gone through this. But did you ever take over-the-counter medications while you were on the psych meds? Like Advil, Tylenol, CBD, anything? Yes, Tylenol and Advil. Yes. Um, 
did you experience any adverse reactions? Did your psychiatrist or therapist tell you, hey, avoid these medications when you're on this? That I can remember, no. Like, if I got my normal muscle pain or, you know, if my stomach wasn't feeling good, you know, I would take my normal Tylenol and I would be okay for the day. So I bring up this myth because um, I know from the professional standpoint, patients love to explain to me. So mind you, we live in California. So if you're in another state, marijuana may not be legal yet. But in California, it's legal. I love when patients try to rationalize <laughs> marijuana use and alcohol use with their psych meds. They're like, oh, well, you know, I just take I take a beer or I, I smoke a blunt today or, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, there's adverse reactions to that. You take, especially like, and we'll talk about this in a later episode. I'm going to go more in depth about this. But if you're on an antidepressant and you're dealing with major depressive disorder and now you add alcohol to it, alcohol is a depressant. So when you, if let's say you drink three shots of tequila a day, right? At night to help you sleep or whatever it may be. And then you go to your therapist and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm still a 10 in my depression and, you know, I, I sleep so much. I think the meds are making me too sleepy. And then your therapist should be asking you this question. Hey, do you drink alcohol? Do you, <laughs> you use marijuana? They typically patients like, oh yeah, I, I just drink three shots of tequila at night, you know, it just help me uh, sleep. And but sir, you just told me that you sleep too much and you think it's the meds. Like, and I'm not trying to be mean. It's just, it's funny to me, but it's it's a reality that as a therapist we face. It's like, but you engage in substance use and that's a huge factor in why these symptoms that you keep telling me aren't changing are remaining the same. Um, I mean, Lady DMC, have you experienced that at all? Like, hey, my anxiety and my depression is still there and find out it's an, a factor that you've been engaging in in your personal life or I mean it doesn't have to be substance use it could be being around a certain person or not engaging in self-care like did you ever do anything where you're like oh well that might be why I'm not getting better I have to be honest <laughs> I cannot tell a lie <laughs> I think for me it was being around my triggers it was being around the situations the people that you know just set me off Perhaps that's why the mirtazapine wasn't strong enough to help me, because I was around the same toxic environment. <laughs> so yeah, and now that I think of it, now I can laugh about it, but back then I was like, the medication's not helping, and I'm like, Lady DMC, you you didn't change nothing. Like, you you were putting your your daily schedule identical to how you had it before you even started your medication so how are you expecting things to get better <laughs> thank you for enlightening me on that one that's what i'm here for now the final myth i think this whole episode debunks this myth but lady dmc i'm gonna let you debunk it for us anyway psychiatric medications are addictive you can never get off them once you're on them you're on them for life. No, debunked completely. <laughs> and the example of it, hi, <laughs> Lady DMC here. <laughs> I'm living proof that you can go without it. But that being said, Desi girl, <clears throat> what I can tell you is 
even though I've been off of it, I did notice that it was psychologically addictive. Only because if I didn't take my GABA on the days that I didn't even feel my anxiety flaring up, I would it would be chaos in my head thinking, okay, maybe I'm gonna have an anxiety attack today. I haven't taken my medication. Maybe I should take it. And I would just run and just take one. Because I was so afraid that it would pop up. So it, it's psychologically effective in terms that once you think it's a tool and once you have that tool, like you want it, you don't want it to go away. However, if you are determined and if it's the right time for you and if you do it under proper medical supervision, no, it is not addictive in the sense that you can never, ever be without it again. And just to clarify, Again, Lady DMC is a great example in someone who achieves a great treatment goal at the end, right? You know, you were able to use your coping skills, you were able to have a strong support system, and you're able to continuously use that. But again, we typically like to taper down the medication and kind of process all this, right? Like what you just talked about is something that we process. A lot of patients who we reduce their medication. They're like, oh my God, it was so bad. I need my medication now. You need to put it back. And and we kind of talk about it. Like, what's going on? Why do you think we need to bring it back? Okay, so what tools do you have in your toolbox that could help you with that? And most of the time they're like, oh, I, you know, I could have done grounding exercises or I could have gone for a walk or maybe I should have journaled that or whatever it may be. And it's that, that confidence boost like, oh, I can do it. With you, what you described is exactly why we want to taper down because oftentimes that's when those impulsive and reckless decisions are made when it's like, okay, I'm stuck. I need to do something. So I'm going to go do this. And it's actually, believe it or not, it's more common in substance abuse than it is in like mental illnesses where like depression and anxiety because there is that addictive factor when it comes to substance use. Whereas with mental illness, there is an addictive factor. It's just very different than the substance use. Again, I when you first told me that you... And again, I found this out on air the first time <laughs> that okay. she had done this. So I did not find this out privately. This was on air. She told me this, um, that she had stopped her medical turkey. Like and <laughs> we had a long discussion after, but... You did an amazing job. I'm, you know, we're going to see you every week and talk with us Tuesdays in our blog. But in like behind the scenes, I, I watch you and I watch you in awe because I've seen your bad days and I've seen how you've, you've had your moment. And you're like, okay, blah, 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 blah happened. I am going down that rabbit hole. And then you go down that rabbit hole and you're like, no, never mind. I'm going to come back up. And you come right back up and you use your coping skills. And you do amazing each time. And I want everyone, the reason why I'm saying this is I want everyone to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Now, please do not just stop your meds after listening to this episode. Please talk to your physician, talk to your psychiatrist, talk to your therapist. Do not stop your medications because we are not doctors here. We do not know your medical history or your psychiatric history. We do not want you to harm yourself or anyone else. So if you're like, hey, you know, I, I want to, I'm inspired by Lady DMC tonight. So I want to do the same thing. No, don't do it. Please don't do it. Like go to your doctor and be like, hey, I, I think I want to like reduce my medications and talk to them. Your doctor may say, hey, we can just stop your meds. Cold turkey like Lady DMC. That's cool. But you want to have that conversation. Just don't do it. 
because there are so many consequences to it, which fortunately Lady DMC did not go through, but I've seen patients do it and it it's pretty bad. No, and I reiterate what you're saying, Desi Girl. I mean, I know we take a lot of things. We have some difficult topics on this um, podcast. So I know we like to take some things, you know, as a joke or take it lighthearted. But this is definitely, and I mean this, heart in hand to all our audience out there. Do as I say, do as we say, not as we do many times. I was very lucky to not experience any withdrawal symptoms. But as I said, and I reiterate it one more time, I was under the eye, under the care, the whole time of a professional, of one of the best insurances, one of the best hospitals that I was fortunate enough to have through my work. And she was the one that guided me. Again, I told her, I was upfront with her, 100p, I did not hide anything from her. I told her this is what I did and I got her guidance on if she thought that I should continue down that path or if she saw otherwise. So please, warriors, do not change your treatment plan. Do not do anything without the authorization of a medical professional. It's not safe. And the first thing that we want to do here is take care of you, take care of your mental health, and make sure that you guys are okay. So please, be very, very cautious on what you're about to do and don't do it on your own. Absolutely. Well, Warriors, I think we'll end it here. This was a fantastic conversation. Thank you, Lady DMC, for joining me today. Thank I you. hope we have more conversations like this. I'll be very happy to be your guest whenever you want, Desi Girl. <laughs> this was a wonderful conversation. It's always a pleasure to do these episodes with you. And I was honored. I was honored to be to be interviewed by you today. So thank you very much for having me. <laughs> well, it was great having you and I enjoyed this conversation again. Well, Warriors, we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Stay safe, stay well. And I'm going to take it from Lady DMC. We'll see you at the next one. Bye. We thank you for tuning into this episode. Please don't forget to comment and subscribe to the Mental Diaries podcast.